Listener Production. If I think about the times in my life I've been at my most unhappy or felt my most lost, it's been the moments where I've had to manage change. When I lost a job that I loved, when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, even though I desperately wanted to have a baby, I found trying to understand this new version of me really hard. And then long after she was born, when I had to enter the next phase of my life of not having babies, another transformation and another roller coaster of emotions. We know change is inevitable in life, but how do we navigate it so that we can embrace the change in us with openness and positivity and not loss or that confusing disconnect with who we think we are? This episode is all about letting go of the old and bringing in the new and about finding ways to really understand who we are. My co-host is Dr. Jamie Lee. Hi there, Jamie. Hi, Joe. So, Jamie, I feel like we have heard the word uncertainty so many times in the last, you know, just under 12 months. And, you know, change has been a universal experience. But it, it has been written about mostly because as humans, to manage change and uncertainty is actually very destabilizing and in some cases traumatic. Why is that? As humans, we are biologically wired to crave stability and predictability. It helps our brains conserve energy. It also helps us feel psychologically safer. So our brains don't need to keep scanning all the time for potential threats. And the unknown scares the hell out of us. And it triggers a primitive part of our brain, which sends us into a state of fear, anxiety and protection. And it can result in us even communicating differently or showing the world a different side of ourselves from a sense of protectionism. With COVID, there was and still is a lot going on that is threatening our most basic needs, such as our health, our financial and physical security. And it really happened so, so fast. But beyond COVID, being able to navigate and manage changes in life and uncertainty is important because change happens all the time. You know, there's this ancient quote, there's nothing permanent except change. Mm, Yes. But this podcast series is called Best of You and understanding that the threat that comes with change is going to make it hard to bring the best versions of us. I think, you know, we need to sort of give ourselves permission to know that it, it is okay for it to be hard. And, and that we need to somehow process it. I think sometimes we just go, oh, just get on with it. You know, it's just a new thing. And without actually stopping down and acknowledging that we have to kind of care for ourselves. Yeah. And it is hard because when you change, you are also potentially letting go of an older sense of self, a sense of self or a shell that might have protected you in the past and served itself in the past. But it's not necessarily helpful for now and it may be hindering your ability to grow and step forward into the future. Mm, Well, easier said than done. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So we really want this episode to be useful to you and to help you if you're feeling lost after going through some kind of change. And so we're really excited to welcome our guest, Mary Hoang. She is founder and head psychologist at the Indigo Project, a progressive psychology practice, and author of Darkness is Golden, a guide to personal transformation And I love this, dealing with life's messiness. There's so much life's messiness there, Mary. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. Oh, my God. Life is so messy. 
It is. <laughs> I like that you acknowledge that. There's <laughs> no better way to put it, really. <laughs> it's true. So, yeah. so we're talking about transformation and change. In your work, what kinds of change do you see people navigating? In the last 10 years of my practice as a psychologist, I would say the most significant and most common change is relationship change, coming out of a relationship, heartbreak, or, you know, the desire to want to be in a relationship. Outside of that, it's a lot of the career, transitional life changes. There's loss, there's grief, there's, you know, ah. There's the changes that happen, like you said, on a daily basis where some days, some moments we like ourselves, sometimes we don't. Our emotions are all over the place. We feel disconnected. We feel disappointed. Those are the things that I think a lot of people are coming in for now. It's not this diagnosis or, you know, dilemmas necessarily, but really just this fluctuation of change that people feel very uncertain about. And I would say that uh, some changes are always considered negative, like say retrenchment, and there's a lot of that, a lot of redundancies going around, that kind of thing. But sometimes you can have things that are really positive, like, oh, you know, um, I've moved to a new city and it's really exciting, but that change can be really hard too, even though it's considered a positive thing. Absolutely. I would say that, you know, even some positive change is can be really difficult for people. So like you said, discovering that you're pregnant, becoming a father, becoming a mother. Often this is seen as like, oh, I'm so excited getting married. And then all of a sudden people realize, actually, I think people are being a bit proactive and coming in saying, I think there are some things that we're going to have to work on if we're going to kind of move forward in this change and understand what's happening with our identities, what are our needs now, what am I actually letting go of, and and how can I look forward with some hope? Also, though, and, and you bring up like having children, you, you are surrounded by other people's opinions and, you, and societal expectation that you should be overjoyed. And so then it comes with guilt as well. Yes, particularly working with a lot of women, I find that they're really struggling with this idea that they can be struggling despite mm. having great jobs or relationships good friends, community, and, you know, kind of knowing where they want to go in life. They feel very guilty about feeling anxious, feeling confused, not being able to just have it all and and deal. Um, I'm finding that really common with my clients. And that level of inquiry can also be quite difficult because it sometimes involves facing your own ugly. Well, I like to sometimes look at it as, you know, we're entering the haunted house that is within ourselves Mm. and those parts of us that want to be right or the critic or the saboteur or the inner child that sometimes we meet, you know, on our day-to-day path through life is a really scary thing and it's something that we often don't want to face. But when we do, we have the opportunity to grow from challenging experiences. We have the opportunity to have post-traumatic growth instead of kind of spiraling down into despair and to really find wisdom within our path through life where we can kind of get back into that compass that's within us Mm -hmm. and actually drive and direct our own lives instead of being, I guess, at a whim to you know, life around us and and feeling like really insecure and and uncertain. Yeah, I I heard this lovely saying once that when we're born, it's like 
we are like a mansion with many rooms. We're open, we're inviting. And as life happens, as we grow up, we get hurt and we start closing the rooms to these doors to protect ourselves, to stop ourselves from feeling that hurt and that pain. And before you know it, you're suddenly living in this tiny cupboard in the back room of this mansion. (laughs) (laughs) And, And we can continue to live in that cupboard for the rest of our lives. You know, there's nothing really wrong with it, but you're really only experiencing your world and your life from that cupboard. Or you can choose to slowly open those doors and maybe we'll live in a three bedroom house instead of that mansion, but, you know, it can slowly grow. Absolutely. I mean, what you're saying is that as we close these doors to this once open, expansive place, we're actually probably shifting our core beliefs where Mm. we might have believed, oh, I am open, expansive, excited about the world, excited about the future, and I believe in myself. But as we close those doors or experiences happen, they really kind of shift or shatter some of those core beliefs of who we are and our place in the world. And it is that journey as we go through these transformations to really examine what core beliefs, you know, am I looking at here and how can I shift them towards things that are more positive that will actually help me to be, you know, more in line with my values and priorities and needs. It feels to me like there would be a standard kind of timeline of change. So there's an event, right, that causes the change. Um, And that could be sudden or gradual, I guess. Um, And then there's the adjusting to the new and finally there's kind of some kind of acceptance. Is that how it normally sort of rolls out? I wish it did. (laughs) 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 Um, It is very nice and clean. It seems like, well, is that (laughs) a Hollywood movie version of it? (laughs) That was a PowerPoint version of it where we have the graph that just has the really beautiful lines in it. Yes. But, um, you know, it is, it's part of it. Mm. But I think if we were to understand change as we understand the process of grief and letting go, then when we think about how we would react to grief, everyone is so different. So sometimes we have people feeling really anxious, angry, they have acceptance, hope, they go back into depressive feelings. They can kind of really cycle through different points of change. So yes, we would love it to be something that we could put in a box and kind of tie a ribbon on it and kind of just file away in, in the cabinet. But I think that when we're really going into deep transformation and, and change, we come about some of these, you know, issues that we may have felt that we had put away at some point to only discover more about ourselves. And it can often seen as, oh gosh, like my clients would say, oh, I don't want to talk about my parents in therapy again. I thought I'd dealt with that thing. Yeah, right. And then, you know, it, it's, It's humbling in a way to think that these experiences are our experiences and the way that we look at them and honour them, even those challenging ones that we're resurfacing again and again, it's not like we're at square one ever. I believe that we're always evolving and it's like this, how galaxies evolve and they spiral and they spiral outward and upwards rather than traveling in these kind of circles that we feel that we're going through when we're going through change, which is, it's just a perception that we have. And I think it's actually incorrect. I I really love that image that instead of thinking that we're just going around and around in circles on the same patterns of, of pain, that actually each time 
you do that full circle, you're actually that you're you're spiraling outward and actually growing rather than. So if you're looking at it from a different perspective, it's actually, you know, 3D rather than this flat kind of circling the drain feeling that you're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Our perception is everything. How we see change and the process of change actually influences how we move through that change. So if we're going to think, gosh, this is going to take forever and I'm going to go going around in circles and I can't change and you know, I've done this before and I didn't get anywhere, that is really going to influence our ability to Well, it's not a growth mindset, is it? That's right. Yeah. You need that growth mindset to be willing to grow. And if you think about when we stumble upon those well-worn paths that we think that we've gone through with, you know, talked about with our friends over and over again, we just think about the, how much compassion do we need to learn to give ourselves through our difficulties and how hard is it to do that? But we're being reminded again and again, hey, you matter, you deserve love, you are worthy of this compassion, no matter if this thing happened to you yesterday or last year or 15 years ago, it's still okay for you to feel the Mm. way that you are feeling. I just think that's so powerful because the amount of times I've thought to myself, why are you still on this thing? <laughs> Get over it. Move forward. Come on. Why are you so stuck? And who wants to hear that? Like, you know, if 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 you were saying that to a really good friend of yours, your friend would just be like, you're so mean to me. <laughs> I know. We are you know, so mean so... to ourselves. <laughs> we are. Our inner critic yeah. is really harsh. It's, it's a, really it's harsh. It's a beast. Yes. It's a beast. <laughs> so, okay then, understanding that it can take as long as it takes. I mean, you just got to let it take as long as it takes, don't you, to, to work through whatever the transformation or the change is. What are some strategies we can use through this process? So... Patience, obviously, is something that we need to learn how to cultivate. But I think what's really important on this journey is we often want to get to a destination. And I think sometimes that can actually hold us back from getting where we actually need to be. So the idea that we should do what we, whatever strategy that we talk about to get better, I think in some way, shape or form is not really accepting where we're Mm. at. So when we talk about the journey of acceptance, we're not just thinking about it as a word. We're thinking about it as emotion comes into our body. Am I accepting these difficult sensations that are arising? Am I accepting and learning to be with the inner critic, the inner saboteur, the inner child that is turning up? Am I actually being compassionate to those voices? Do I know where these voices are coming from? Am I being vulnerable with others and actually bringing them into my journey? Or am I doing this thing which I call measured vulnerability? Well, we say a little bit, yeah, you know, I'm going through this thing, but we really don't say the full picture. And this comes again when we go through those cycles are we going back and saying, hey, this is still really hard for me and I just need you to be with me through this and not try to change it or give me advice? That takes a lot of courage and bravery to be able to admit 
that things are still difficult and that you're still feeling lost and disconnected. And that can definitely be the thing that shifts something emotionally that you might wake up the next day and feel a little bit lighter. And a lot of Mm. my clients tell me that. Just by sharing. Just by sharing. Wow. I like the idea too, you spoke there, this notion of to get better is misguided, I guess. We're not trying to get to the other side. We're not trying to get anywhere, but the point in my view is about authenticity. You know, if we're really going to show up, if we're going to do our Brené Brown, like, yeah, I'm going to show up in this world and be authentic and be myself, or what is myself? I am an ever-changing, evolving, dynamic, multifaceted human being, and I'm going to show my world and my friends and my community who I really am at all these different facets, not just the ones that are accepted and seemingly valued by our culture and society and parents. And that's, I think, when we start to shift really this individualistic view of like how we should be in life. Like we should always be moving towards some goal and bettering myself. And mm. I think that's where self-help has has gotten itself into a little bit of a a hole because mm. it's it's actually sometimes making people feel like they're not able to achieve or the, less than the forgiveness or yeah. loving self or more compassionate. You're like, I'm not really good at this self-help thing, actually. Mm. Maybe I just actually need to focus on intentionality and authenticity rather than being better, which is you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to get your head around. And there's such a tension between authenticity and acceptance and walking the path towards authenticity or accepting yourself sometimes involves letting go of, you know, more socially accepted norms or culturally accepted norms so that you can accept you as you are and your whole being. Absolutely. I mean, how many times have we been told from our parents mm. and advertising and everything that gets <laughs> filtered through our phones every day that we need to be more or have more or look differently? And it takes a lot of mindfulness and self-awareness to say, this doesn't feel good for me to constantly try to be more and do more. And when we do get more connected to our body. We actually can feel situations and being with people where it doesn't feel right anymore because that's how we're actually changing and our needs are changing and we're actually honouring that instead of dampening it or pushing pushing it down as we often do so that we become disconnected. Mm. So what I'm hearing, and I'm absolutely loving it, and I'm almost kind of, this is quite, um, I'm having an epiphany as we speak, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) This is free therapy. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the idea is not to navigate and move through change. It always makes me think of that kid's book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. You can't go around it, you've got to go through it, right? Yes. But we're not going through it. We're sitting in it. That's right. And just accepting it with curiosity. That's obviously, like I think curiosity is one of my favourite parts of mindfulness. 
just to be sitting sitting in it with patience, as you said, Mary, and and not trying to shift it if it's not willing. It's if it's not time to shift it, you just sort of accept it and be. It's a t- it's a tenet of mindfulness, and it's this almost paradoxical way of being because we think to get somewhere we need to move somewhere, mm. but it's a it's a, it's almost like a different level of existence where the being is actually extremely powerful and if you'd like to say extremely productive in a way mm. um you've just got to get your mindset around the fact that you've actually got to really honor the being not like I'm being or I'm meditating because I want to feel calmer. I want to feel less anxious. It's like actually the best meditations that you can do is when you're angry and when you're frustrated and when your mind's all over the place and you're like, here I am. Here I go again. My mind's a mess. Cool. You know, that's that's the real test of actually how centered and, and with it all that you can be not how not really how calm you can be because when life's good life's good but when you know the true test of anything any relationship any experience in life is you know what happens when all shit breaks loose So whilst we're being in this moment, accepting whatever it feels like right now, how do we remember who we are? I think that's a lot of what we face as a difficulty when we're saying goodbye to something and having to accept a new life, whatever that might look like. How do we find ways to understand who we are? I think in the process of transformation, the difficult part is that the that kind of middle part that you're talking about we often just do not know who we are, you know, and that is something, the goo that we need to sit in the before the butterfly emerges mm. from that kind of gooey sack. It's like, it's not butterfly and it's not caterpillar. It's, it's a blobby kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of got to be with that not knowing. So again, being okay with the not knowing is obviously very frustrating but it is 100% part of the journey. And I would say if we want to really sink into it, it's the development of a wisdom of trust. So trust that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get myself through this, whatever it is, however long it takes. Trust in something outside of yourself, but trust within your own self. That is wisdom, it's not having the answer, but saying, I am going to feel something within myself and cultivate within myself a deep sense of, of, of trust. And also surrender, right, Mary? It's like surrendering to that process. With that yes. trust, you're completely letting go. Yes. And mm. surrender... Wow, you know, how many times do we need to surrender every day? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, we, it's, it's not something, well, you know, we'll just press a button and then we surrender. It, it really is that moment-to-moment experience of recognizing tension within your mind, tension within your body, grasping, you know, wanting, desiring, needing, 
and being attached to outcome. And this happens countless times every day. You know, with my clients, I, I talk about two forms of surrender and it's the surrender of and the surrender to. So the surrender of your beliefs of how you are supposed to be, how the world is supposed to work. Um, and then the second one is a surrender to your deepest needs, your deepest calling, your deepest passions. What makes you feel alive in this world? And and both of these can be can be just really scary um, when one's sitting in it um, in the moment. Absolutely. When it was uh, a couple of psychologists that, that termed post-traumatic growth and they said prior to that your belief system has become shattered by an experience in your life and, and a change and that journey towards rebuilding after what they call is like an earthquake and you think these are each block I'm taking to rebuild this sense of foundation and self but what happens after earthquake? It's just chaos. It's mm. rubble everywhere. There's, you know, you're just like, mm. where do I even start to even try to put myself together? So you just kind of got to lie in the rubble and be like yeah. one with the rubble <laughs> before you. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, gosh, it's just so, then you're like, oh God. And then you go pick up these these rocks and, and rebuild them and reshape them. And it's it's kind of like this, I use this metaphor in the book, but it's like this uh, kintsugi, and it's Japanese art of like putting that. back the these broken pieces of pottery, and they lined with gold instead of discarding what is what we think is ugly and not useful. It is actually honoured with this kind of gold as the pottery is put back together. And this is us, you know. Mm. This is us with our shattered bits put back together <laughs> and. Still beautiful. Well, and in fact, more beautiful using that analogy. What, what they right. create, the artists create eventually is more beautiful than the original. It is. How do we do that discovery? How do we, what are some things we can do um, as we're uh, experiencing that post-traumatic growth, I guess? What kinds of things might help us, as you say, Jamie, surrender to the real, the true person of us inside? So I think we've talked already about being with emotion, you know, and, and that is a whole relationship with how we be with our bodies. And there are practices of mindfulness and, and movement that can really help people to process emotions. I really like writing letters to people from the past and just really, you know, having it out and having a good cry and, and all of that. I think that's really important. But I think as we start to shift into understanding what our needs are, this is crucial because like Jamie, what you were saying is that we've really kind of been born into societies and cultures where these values and priorities have been given to us. So we've kind of sifting through the rubble to really feel back into what is important to me in the face of this adversity. And only we know, only we can decide. And it's like, what do I actually need? And there's not much. There's friendships, there's connection, there's nature, there's all these things that ground us. And I think it's so important on this journey that we have really good emotional boundaries. When you're going through a really difficult time, you don't have the space to give to everyone. And I think there's a lot of change in people realizing I give way too much. 
I don't say no enough. And those boundaries are as a result of understanding what our needs are. It's an opportunity too um, for, I don't know, for, for, for writing your story in a different way, transformation. And I feel, so I spent a year basically sitting looking out a window after I lost uh, a job that I loved. I was working. I did great things. But a lot of the time I just sat and looked out the window because I felt like that's all I could do. And I look back now and I realise I was becoming, because I was allowing that time and for the, you know, the, the needs and the voice inside me to actually speak to me, but it took me a long time to even hear what it was that I wanted. But what an opportunity to go, okay, this is what my life will look like now. Absolutely. And that's where you know, when we're trying to build and create a life that is meaningful and purposeful to us, it is often through the difficult moments that we truly understand what is meaningful and what is purposeful. So, you know, looking out the window and spending that time, for me, it's music. It's just, it is music is the time that I get in contact with my emotions. When my father passed away, I found it so hard to process my feelings, that really music was the only thing that could touch me. And I would hear particular songs and everything would, I would be able to have a good release. And we've got to find our own ways of, of that processing and the staring out the window and those moments where we can really not be doing something, but being with ourselves in some way and allowing that space and not just trying to fill it all up with stuff and, and responsibilities again to distract ourselves. Mm. Um, I've changed careers a couple of times and when I um, left my last corporate job, I took eight months to, to give that space to myself. And in those eight months, I remember people asking me, what are you doing? Go find another job. Why aren't mm -hmm. you just picking up your next thing? Mm -hmm. um, why are you just floating about, traveling the world? And and you know, there was there were definitely many times where I was beating myself up for not just moving forward. And I realized as I was traveling and sitting with myself and going through all of those emotions, um, and I was in nature a lot, um, it, it was not just giving myself the space and the time to process, but also allow, my friend said this, she said, you're gestating. Mm -hmm. And I love that when, when she, she actually heard what I was going through and she said, sounds like you're gestating. Yeah. I love and that. And when oh, when she said that to me, it just resonated and 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 it just clicked and I went, I am gestating. And I'm going to allow myself to gestate as long as I need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had this image that whole time when I was looking out the window at my garden, not that I have bulbs in my garden, but I imagined that I was like a bulb under the earth, mm. you know, and you can't nature and, you know, the universe decides when those bulbs emerge from the ground, glorious and beautiful flowers. Um you can't force it. Time does what timing. time. That's it. Time unfolds as it will, right? I tell you, when you force things, it really just makes it worse. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what? What? What about the importance of rites of passage and and and, you know, just honouring the fact that you are leaving one part of your life behind and moving into a new one? In ancient cultures and traditions, it was ex extremely important to bring the community together to help people move through stages of life, whether that be becoming a man, a woman, giving birth, 
the elderly, you know, it, there's all these different stages of life and it, it really was an opportunity for the community to see people through their changes and for individuals to say, hey, I've grown, I've got new responsibilities now, I'm not a child anymore, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> it was an opportunity for elders to pass on wisdom and what a beautiful thing, you know, we're now holding on to all these changes and trans- transitions within ourselves and not processing them and not being seen as we travel through these different stages of our lives. And so we need these rituals and ceremonies. It's just an opportunity to really honor that and to acknowledge ourselves for the changes that we've made. And we can do these with our friends. We can do these with our families where we sit together at a table and just say, hey, this is me now. And I want you to see that and and acknowledge that. I, You know, I've heard of people do things where they burn things from a past version of themselves or, I mean, your actual rituals that people yes. do. Yes. Well, it's, it's really about getting that separation. So it's phones off, perhaps changing the lighting in a room. It's maybe lighting a candle. It's doing something that is meaningful. Maybe it's going out into nature where you're saying, this is the purpose of this ceremony. I'm going to write all these things down that I'm letting go of. I'm going to do a little meditation and I'm going to burn and let go. I'm going to go and do something for myself. And maybe I'm, this is with others. Maybe this is alone, but it, I would really encourage people to share it with somebody else because I think this is where the process of that vulnerability and honouring really happens. What about the importance of movement? Or And I know that you do a sound experience as well. So there are lots of different ways you can actually feel it in your body and sort of process it that way. Well, if we think about it, we're kind of, we absorb all our emotions and we store them within our bodies. Our bodies still remember it's like if even though you might have gotten bitten by a dog as a young person and then as older, you're like, uh-oh, why, should I, why am I still scared of dogs? It's a different dog. It's a different color. Our body remembers. And so the, the process of moving our bodies and actually saying, well, okay, here's the emotion. I'm going to express it through my body, through Tai Chi, through dance, through whatever it is, means that we're moving the memory from our body and it's kind of shifting from that subconscious level into our conscious and hopefully out. (laughs) Hopefully out. Hopefully out. (laughs) Got to do a lot of dancing, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep moving. That's my advice. (laughs) Um, and, and, And allowing it to come out is also the completion of that stress cycle. That's right. right. With the dog that you mentioned, maybe when you were young, you couldn't run away or you were scared. And and then when you're older, you're still feeling that fear. But potentially when you allow yourself to feel it and you allow the emotions to come through and you physically move as if you're running or you're getting away, it allows you to complete that in your subconscious as well. That's right. And I think a lot of people don't understand that just because I'm not in the situation anymore doesn't mean that I can't feel stressed. So Mm. there are people beat themselves up and say, like I said, that happened years ago. That happened so long ago. Why am I still, you know, acting as if it happened yesterday? But that, that stress cycle is that acknowledgement that, we're still having to deal with the emotions after an experience has occurred. I think self-care, not self-care because we have to 
do self-care and tick it off a list, but self-care is the actions that mean that I show myself every day that I matter and that I'm getting in contact with my needs on a daily basis. And it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to get my nails done. It's like, well, what do I actually really, really need? Mm. And we don't ask ourselves that in a way that's very conscious. We think, oh, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I want to do this and I want to do that. But it's really getting closer to ourselves that allows us when things do change that we have a sense that we're still holding on to that little bit of wisdom. And I like to say, we've talked about the inner critic and the inner saboteur and the inner child, but I like to see that there's a wise self that we can always come back to and be in and learn how to give space to when things are good and understand what that voice does sound like. It says, Mary, it's time to go to bed. It's one o'clock and you need to get off. Instagram. <laughs> oh, says, that voice is so wise. <laughs> <laughs> it says you're doing good, you know, and, and you can deal with anything. And I think when we really come into contact with that wise self, it is the thing that is with us through the most difficult dark times of our whole life. And when we don't have that, I would say we need good support in our lives. So that becomes the voice of wisdom, whether it's from a trusted professional or someone that we love, we have to have, we cannot do life alone. It is an innate human need for us to connect. Mm, God, I feel like so many people are trying to do it alone. Mm. It really makes me sad even just thinking about how many people I know in my circles who feel as though they have to and can do it alone and I just know that they're, they're not, they're struggling that just makes me sad. It's mm. it's rife, really, this idea that we need to be somehow managing all of life by ourselves. This is just a construct that really makes everyone feel insecure and never on top of anything. And we just need to break that idea that we can do everything by ourselves and we're this island of self-sustainability it's it's we need community it's mm. so important we need community we need to cultivate a relationship with ourselves as well as others you that's know, right rec- recognizing we are whole and at the same time not an island that's right i mean when we think about our relationship with ourselves, we are the mm. person that we wake up with we mm. go to bed with ourselves every night kind of helps if we like that person, you know, and we're not constantly battling that person that we're with. And that relationship is really the blueprint of our relationships with others and the world. So Mary, uh, to finish, we have been discussing, generally speaking, throughout this whole series, what do we give ourselves permission to do, you know, with this particular challenge in this conversation around change and transformation, what would you say that you'd want want us to give ourselves permission to do? Permission to cry. You know, just put on some headphones, find that playlist or that album that really gets into your emotions and let yourself sit there and see what comes up and be with it. Turn the lights off. Don't be disturbed. Give yourself an hour 
and and really see what arises when you are in con- contact with your mind and with your body and with no rules about what you need to do or be. That's mm. just permission to, to be. I mean, when, I would say just sit quietly, but people get bored by that. <laughs> Might as well be listening to something. True, true. And being triggered, you know, emotionally through through a beautiful piece of music rather than silence and you're mm. meh, meh, in, a, in a critic. I love that. For myself, I would say give yourself permission to live how you want to live mm. because yes. in transformation you have this opportunity. Oh, it's so hard because you think you want the old life and you have all of these voices and people around you and society and everything telling you how you should, but this is an opportunity to go, nah, I'm going to be me fiercely, courageously me. And that's hard and takes a lifetime. That's my permission. What about you, Jamie? (laughs) I give myself permission to be seen and to share our our personal power, our personal gift with the world. Mm. You know, like how do you, you know, each of us is born with a gift, with a talent, with with something really special and it's hidden deep within side of ourselves. And it's our, our, I guess, it's ours to develop, to embody and, and then offer to the community mm. through acts of service and it's to become that gift through our actions. And so it would be give oneself permission to be seen and to, to offer that your truest gift. Mm, gorgeous. The world can only benefit from that. It's just amazing. I love that. <laughs> Mary. We got it all sorted. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> just do what we say. Um, Mary, Mary, thank you so much. For My this pleasure. Gorgeous thank time you, that we've Mary. spent together. And mm. do go out and get the book, Darkness is Golden A Guide to Personal Transformation and Dealing with Life's Messiness. Thanks so much, Mary. Pleasure. Thank you. In our next episode, we talk about grief. How do you survive when you lose a loved one who is at the centre of your world? We'll hear from our guest whose husband was killed in a tragic accident. She'll tell us how she rebuilt her life in a candid conversation about grief that I think is really useful to all of us. That's in the next episode of Best of You. Best of You was created in collaboration with The House of Wellness. Written and presented by me, Joe Stanley, and my co-host, Dr. Jamie Lee, executive producer, Alex Mitchell, and audio production by Nicola Sitch.